Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On this week's episode, we're talking to Jason Kadams, the executive producer of Pure Genius. So stay tuned. I'm Deborah Birnbaum, executive editor of Variety. And I'm Mike Schneider, editor-at-large at Variety. And it's my pleasure to welcome Jason Kadams, executive producer of Pure Genius. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for joining us. So let's start at the beginning. How did you come up with the idea for the show? Well, uh, so Pure Genius, you know, we developed it a couple of years ago uh, with uh, a, actually with me as a producer, not as the writer, um, Sierra Watson was writing, and um, you know we didn't get picked up, uh, but CBS really loved this concept so much, and we decided to continue to try to, uh, you know, continue to try to make it work. And then I sort of came in, uh, you know, as a writer, and uh, and that's how you know um, you know I got, you know I that's how you know it uh, we got here, and uh, you know it was. Um, you know the idea of sort of combining that sort of world of um, uh, technology in Silicon Valley with uh, medicine was something that was sort of very intriguing to us um, from uh, the from the beginning, and it was it was that that was the idea that sort of compelled us to keep working on it. And there was also a personal story that you had. And, and talk about you, you spent a lot of time in, in hospitals uh, because of uh, personal reasons, and you saw a lot of the medical system. What was it that didn't work or that kind of inspired you to say, you know, there's, there's an opportunity to, you know, really rethink all of this? You know, a few years ago, I was um, found myself with in, in both my wife and my dad got ill at the same time. So I spent about close to a year uh, in various hospitals, and um, you know, um, over that year, I found a couple of things. One was that I, you know, had, and you know, it renewed my, you know, sort of respect and admiration for doctors and how much they cared, how um, <clears throat> how you know hard they fought for their patients. But I also kind of felt like I sort of came across the some of the frustrations of the medical care system, the sort of bureaucracy, um, the fact that one hand wasn't talking to the other. You know, at some point, my at certain points, my dad had like six or seven doctors when they were sort of trying to figure out exactly what was going on with them, and it was a frustration that I felt like they could never, I, I could never get them all speaking to each other. Uh, they all had their area and their tunnel vision, their expertise. And so, uh, and, and so those were some of the things that I felt like, um, that stayed with me that were, I felt like, oh, is this the best way 
to be doing this. And it kind of led to, in Pure Genius, that I, a lot of the ideas of the way that hospital works, that there's a sort of sense of open communication, that there's a sense of that there's no sort of hierarchy. Everybody's talking to each other about the patients. There are all these team meetings where they all the doctors on the team get together and brainstorm about a patient. Um, and, you know, and, and so that basically, I think, sort of informed, um, you know, my personal experience sort of informed, you know, to some degree how we kind of thought of this hospital. Now that a couple of episodes have aired, what's the response been from the medical community? Well, I find, you know, we're, I'm, of course, particularly interested in how the sort of digital health community is responding to it. And what we found so far is that um, they've been so positive about it. I think it really is meaningful to them to sort of see this sort of put out there in the world, to see like there's a lot of stuff that, you know, um, there's all that people are sort of working on and doing all over the world. Um, and for them to sort of see a, you know, a show where, you know, we sort of speculate a little bit down the road of, you know, where all what they're doing is sort of heading, I think is, is helpful. And I think it's sort of also good for them to have, um, <clears throat> you know, sort of some of these di- ideas sort of out there in the, and um, talked about in the general public as well. Well, one of the things on the show that that's sort of nice is that the, there's there's no bureaucracy, there's no red tape. They're they're managing to make all these changes. Uh, you're billionaire on the show without uh, you know government regulation and all that. How how realistic can that be? And and you know this is this is sort of the dream of how medical uh, you know the, the medical system could be run. But could we actually see this happen? Right. I think that's something that we sort of deal with on the show too, because you know uh, in one way. You know, James Bell is this kind of guy who sort of marches by the beat of his own drum. He does does whatever he wants. In another way, he can't do that, that, you know, there is, you know, regulation. There are rules. And we do deal in the show with the rules that he has to sort of follow and the frustrations for that uh Uh, for him as well. It's something that you don't see in the first couple of episodes, but we do sort of get into that because we do want to make it, um, on one hand, wish fulfillment and aspirational, but on the other hand, you know, have it reflect to some degree, you know, what it would be, what it would be like in the real world. So we're trying to sort of address, you know, both sides of that in in telling these stories. Um, The truth is, you know, um, you know, what, you know, what, he is trying to do is somewhat sort of revolutionary and he's going to sort of come up against you know um you know uh, uh people who you know don't see see doesn't don't see things the way uh that he does it's also an interesting question about regulation and you know um you know it's easy to say that it would be easy to just you know say oh you don't need regulation. You just need these crazy, you know, genius billionaires to do things. Uh, but there is a an importance for of of regulation. That is that, and and um, and we do deal with that on the show as well. You're more known for your serialized storytelling. This show is more procedural. How comfortable are you in that format? Well, I you know I really enjoy doing it. It's very different than what 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 I've most of the shows that I've done. Um, 
A couple of things that I found in doing it is that uh, uh, in doing the show is one thing that I found is that ultimately um, there there are serialized stories in the show, and the more that we um, sort of um, dig in and tell these stories, the more we get to know these characters, and the more we're sort of the more that we are uh, following their stories as well, and also um, in doing that. The more that we, you know, we know our characters, the deeper the medical stories become, because you know we're tell, you know, we wind up telling stories that are more thematically connected to what's happening with our um, our own our doctors and our characters, and um, we know them better. And I think it's sort of it, it, you know, the show is getting richer and richer, you know, kind of as we are doing it. But I really do. I've enjoyed the close-ended storylines as well. It's different for me. And it kind of made me feel uh, like, uh, it reminded me a little bit, oddly, of sort of um, when I first started out and I was writing plays. And, you know, it's like you would write a one-act play and you'd have to tell an entire story in a short amount of time. Um, And, you know, I feel that way when we're writing these stories. You introduce a patient and then you introduce the patient's mother or sister or wife. And you... um, um, okay, <laughs> we're good. Okay, you introduce a mother and a sister or a wife, and then you you follow their you follow through on telling that story, and you know hopefully sort of get emotionally invested in them, and then have resolution in within an episode, and that's sort of like what would happen when you went to see a play, and um, so that's something that is different for me, and I'm really enjoying that part of it, and I'm finding, you know, really. I'm, I mean, you know, it's it's exciting, and especially sometimes, you know, some of these episodes we've done, you know, um, you know, we've had these, you know, guest actors come in and, you know, do their sort of climactic scene. And I'm like, oh, my God, that was so much more than what I expected it to be. And they really found this gear. And so it was, it was so it's been exciting in that way because it's a different animal than the shows that I have been working on mostly. Well, what's also interesting is, is not only is, is, are you exercising a new muscle with this show, but you also have the path on Hulu. So, uh, you know, which, which is giving you an opportunity to do something in the streaming space. Talk a little bit about that and, and what the difference has been in, in doing a show for streaming. Right. Well, doing it, you know, working with Hulu has been, you know, just this fantastic experience, um, very different experience than, you know, working in a, in the, uh, on network, um, you know, a couple of things. You know, one thing that I really have loved about it is, you know, when we started uh, the, the doing the path <clears throat> with Hulu and we started developing it with them, you know, it was at the very beginning for them of sort of doing this sort of premium um, uh, cable. And I think this was a, 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 this premium programming. And I think it was actually like the first uh, ongoing drama series that they were doing. Um, and that was really exciting because it felt like we were sort of in at the ground floor and, you know, you felt like everybody there was ex- excited about the show and uh, it was as important to them as it was to us. And so that was really this great feeling. It definitely gives you a lot of freedom to be in that world, um, doing stuff in that way. Um, you get to sort of, you know, um, push things um, um, further than you could ever do in, in network. I mean, that I think is sort of, you know, obvious from when you watch these shows. Um, 
um, the differences. Um, one of the things that I found that I, I, I think is particularly, has been a particularly free experience of something that you wouldn't think of is that, you know, on a, for Hulu, you know, because it's a streaming service, it, the, the, it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter how long the show is for them. You know, we've delivered, you know, episodes that are 57 minutes and probably, you know, episodes that are 46 minutes. And, you know, so much of my time, you know, in, in normally in, in, in doing television is getting that shows down to the exact amount of minute and seconds they have to be. And an act has to be at least this long and not longer than this. And so much of your time is spent sort of trying to, you know, do it and you make hard decisions, having to cut things you wouldn't have cut or having to tighten areas and all that stuff. And to have that kind of freedom to for the episode to be the uh, the length that it should be, I think it's unique to these streaming services and has been a really, you know, um, you know, great experience. And I think it really, really adds to the... Um, you know, um, you know the the quality of the show. What can you tell us about the second season of the path? Is there, is there anything you learned from the first season that you're going to bring to the second season? You know, I think we learned a lot from the first season. I think that we learned even in the pilot episode. Uh, you know, Jess Goldberg, who, who um, you know wrote, um, created the show and wrote the pilot, wrote such a beautiful script. But then, uh, you know, when we saw the cut from Mike Cahill's first cut, who directed it, uh, the pilot. Um, we were so blown away in watching it that the the show had this sort of appetite for sort of really pushing the boundaries of you know the you know getting into the sort of um, you know the the sort of fantasy sequences, the dream sequences, the visions, the sort of weirder, cooler part of the show. And you know, I had have been spending you know my time working on such sort of very reality based shows that didn't have really it was hard to do things like um even like simple dream sequences always would feel in a show like parenthood or friday night lights out of character for them and this show it was the opposite it had a hunger for that and it wanted you know it wanted that and so that's something that we sort of lean into and keep kept sort of pushing i think the second season you know uh what i'm excited about in the second season is you know i think it's a very it's it's a very bold season. You know, we are examining um, a very different, you know, um, uh, very different um, themes that we're dealing with in the second season and the first season. You know, we're still very much closely looking at the central, uh, you know, uh, story of that marriage between Michelle Monaghan and Aaron Paul, but they're in a completely different um, space than they were in the first season, and it's really fun to be watching that. And um, as a po- and and in addition to that, we're really pushing things in terms of you know the uh, 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 where Meyerism is and and um, you know I I feel like it's really um, I love the first season I think the second season as you know even you know um, is as deep in the show even more and kind of I think it's sort of more it's found its comfort zone in a weird way. You know, when a lot of creatives go over to streaming, to premium, uh, they're, they're kind of spoiled. You know, there are fewer notes. Uh, there's more opportunity to do edgy content. Um, you know, sky's the limit. So how about you? I mean, is it tough to go back and do broadcasts after doing streaming? Right. Well, you know, I th- I actually really um, might be in the minority <laughs> in saying this, but I, I love 
broadcast television. I love the potential for it. I love the fact that you know it feels like you're it's a, it's American television. It feels like you're reaching America in a way that is um, different than streaming and, and and cable. So while I definitely you know have loved the experience of you know doing the show with Hulu, and now we're starting to do a show with Showtime as well, um, you know, and that's very exciting. Um, to me, I feel like the, the, the best way to sort of approach it is to figure out, you know, when you have uh, the idea for the show that you want to do is to find the right home for it, where that show sort of belongs and should live. And hopefully the partners that you're working with, whether it's a, your producing partners or, 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 or studio, um, will, you know, help you, help guide you to find the right home because, you know, that's always like, you know, where television goes right and where it goes wrong. You know, I feel like when, you know, you can f sometimes f feel shows that you're like, oh, they really wanted the show to be something different and we're sort of pushed into this this direction or that direction. And you want to try to avoid that, when you know, and, and, and try to find the right home for it. But I feel like, you know, I still feel like, you know, I, I, I definitely don't feel like, oh, I, I never want to do a network show. I, I'm, I'm definitely very much um, love, you know, when I think network television is, 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 is good. There's something very special about it. Right. Pure genius on HBO would be a very different show. It would be a different show. Yeah. <laughs> what, what can you tell us about the Showtime project? Showtime. Well, uh, this is a show um, um, written by Stu Zickerman. Um, it's called Mating. Um, right now it's still, you know, we just shot the pilot. Um, um, Taron Killam is, is the lead. He's, he's fantastic. Uh, and, um, you know, it is a half hour comedy about, um, a guy who married young and has just gotten separated, not by, you know, his own, you know, against his wishes and is like entering the, the, the world of dating and but in the intervening time, the world has totally changed. So it's sort of a fish out of water story, and really, really sort of, um, uh, I, I, I think it's going to be a really charming show. Is there any show, any kind of show that you haven't done yet that you still want to do? What's still on your wish list? <laughs> I still want to do. Uh, you know, I, you know, it's. I guess um, the answer to that is I feel like. I don't know. You know, I've been lucky in, in being able to sort of be part of shows that I really, um, that I'm really feel deeply passionate about and I care about and I love doing, you know, and I guess I want to just can sort of continue, um, to do that. I feel like, you know, as a writer and a creator and a producer, you know, you never, you don't think of it as like, Oh, I've done this. Now I want to do that. I think you sort of think of it as it's, it's, you're, it's always part of a process. It's always part of like a, uh, you know, something where, you know, an idea grabs you and won't let go. And you feel like you have to go down that road with it and, and see where it takes you, you know. So I, I, you know, I feel like everything that I'm, I'm doing, I'm trying to, you know, sort of um, stay within things that I think I okay, this is something I could do well. I think it makes sense for me to do, but also sort of pushes me a little bit uh, and, and, and makes me explore something I haven't done before. 
Well, because Friday Night Lights and Parenthood were back to back for you, there there was a moment in time where you sort of became the the remake whisperer. That uh, you know, and this was before the the IP rush that we see now, where everything is a remake or a reboot or what have you. Um, so so talk about that the the fact that you were able to do two su- su- successfully back to back, and then also what you make now of the rush to do so many remakes and reboots. Right. Never really was looking for that t- for that you know. Uh, title remake whisperer it just kind of both those things happened you know um with friday night lights i i really walked into that situation where you know it wasn't really my i i wasn't like a, a football guy i didn't really know that much about football but then when i saw the world uh and of of friday night lights and felt like the potential for that as a show uh i was just immediately seduced into and how to tell that story and with Parenthood, it was just more about me wanting to continue um, to tell stories of this, uh, the sort of large ensemble cast story that I felt like was really my favorite part of doing Friday Night Lights. And I felt like, oh, this is another way of doing that, but telling a story about family. And, um, and, and you know, I got to, you know, work with, you know, on both shows with you know, uh, Brian Grazer and Ron Howard and felt that, you know, I had that, you know, um, um, you know, the legacy of the television show Parenthood um, to sort of draw from. But what I really felt, um, you know, I was the gift that I was really given in doing Parenthood was Brian Grazer and Ron Howard really freed me to do my version of it. In fact, they didn't want to do anything that looked like the movie Parenthood. They were very proud of that movie. I think that movie was very personal to them. And they, if we were going to do a television show, uh, you know, they wanted it to be uh, strike out on its own in a way. And that was just a really great gift because it, yes, it was, a, it was an adaptation, but it really was like, you know, they were like, you have to make this your own and you and the writers and the actors and and directors have to make it your thing. Um, so you know, in in terms of like that trend that you know um, of of uh, now of of doing that, I think you know, like on one hand, I feel like yeah, you know, there's so much television out there, there's so many shows out there that on one hand, I feel like anytime you have a you know like a a a, a, a title, you have something to sort of um, base it on, you know, it can, it can, could help. It could help creatively. It could help with just, uh, you know, people around you understanding, oh, this is what the show will be. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, I do feel like, you know, uh, you know, the when somebody sort of just comes up with a great idea that's original and, you know, makes a show from an original idea that comes out of nowhere, to me, that's always often the most exciting television. So speaking of revivals, any chance of getting the gang back together on Parenthood? Well, yeah, you know, I I think, um, I mean, I've sort of said I would love to do that um, at some point. Um, I think to me, like the first thing that I would, uh, the, the, the way that I sort of want to approach it is always pr- approach it by like letting the sort of creative lead to it, lead it, lead, lead the way. So, cause there's going to be a thousand things to have to, you know, this a large cast, everybody's very busy. So to 
figure out a way f- with every getting everybody together is and and f- and then find out figure out okay what's it going to be and what is it going to be for uh, and back on NBC or for somewhere else those would have to be like a, a million questions you'd have to and obstacles you'd have to sort of work through but the the basic thing would be like well what would that uh, be you know and I, and and I think so it would have to be coming from when somebody me or somebody else um, you know has the sort of spark to say okay this is the story we need to tell this is the story we have to tell and I don't know what that is yet what I do my instinct though is there should be like a good amount of time that passes because I my instinct is it should be a story that picks this family up a little bit further along than where they were when we left them. You know, I'd like to see, you know, uh, you know, seeing Amber as a as a mother as opposed to the the teenager we we met the defiant teenager we met at the beginning of the series would be very interesting. Seeing Max uh, as uh, a as a young adult uh you know in the world dealing with his the the idiosyncrasies that he has um seems like interesting and would be you know sort of different so it's sort of like finding those i i think you know having the time the timing being right so it feels like oh we can tell you know uh we're not getting together just because oh it'll be fun to do that but we're going to be telling a a, 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 a you know story that's unique to 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 um, this you know to this version of it. Parenthood, the next generation. The next generation. Like yeah. <laughs> and I'm afraid this answer is going to break my heart, but I've got to ask, what about Friday Night Lights? Uh, yeah, it's going to break your heart. <laughs> uh, now Friday Night Lights, I think, in terms of the, in, uh, we had talked about trying to do uh, a movie after we the television show ended and I think we all ultimately decided that um, you know it was not meant to be Um, it might have taken me personally a little bit longer to get there than some other people involved but you know you have to have everybody you know um, wanting to do and I think ultimately like I think what I sort of ultimately came to is that the show really sort of ended uh, in this kind of perfect way and uh, and um, so we're you know, we're we're moving on from moving on from that. <laughs> single tier, single tier. But you had that great reunion at ATX. We had a great reunion and uh uh in in Austin, um, where we shot and um what was amazing about it, what I didn't realize is they they do a screening, you know, what they had done a screening every year and this was the last year they were gonna do like the Friday Night Light screening. So they wanted to do something special. So unbeknownst to me they they basically um, wh- they did it at the uh, football field where we filmed the show, and it was like an amazing thing because I sort of flew in. I didn't realize where it was going to be, and you know I flew in from Los Angeles. I got to Austin, and then I was you know taken in and the green room where everybody was sort of waiting. All the cast and everybody was the field house, and the field house still had in one field house it was Panthers, the other field. How the other the other side was lions, and it still had all the you know it was still the lockers were still there, and to be like hanging out with Gaius Charles and Matt Loria and all these people from the show, like in this environment was sort of surreal, and I 
started like I never do this. I started taking out like my camera and <laughs> you know getting pictures of the. I felt like a fan, you know, uh, getting pictures of the actors in that environment. But it was really a a, a great sort of uh, nice sort of thing for all of us to sort of get together and and there's such a great group of people so do uh, ron howard and brian grazer have any other remakes for you or are you taking a break from that, uh, um, that world now? yeah yeah remakes uh, <laughs> you know um i feel like sort of in terms of moving forward with doing shows i'm not really like looking to do a remake it's not like i'm like that's where i'm you know looking for the uh, the next idea but on the other hand i feel like if that is where the next idea that sort of captures my imagination comes from, I'm fine with that. I feel like it's just, you know, you know, we're at a time where there's like so many shows, so many television shows out there. Um, <clears throat> you know, any idea that you sort of pursue, you have to feel that there's something sort of special about it. You have to feel that there's something that is so you can, it can become so sort of personal to you that, um, it, it, that it's something that you feel like you can, you can make it very special and you can make it, you know, unique enough to separate it from, uh, help it to separate it from, from the pack. And so wherever that, that, that comes from, I'm, I'm open. We've heard that the Friday Night Lights writer's room was a pretty amazing writer's room, but if you could go back in time and travel and sit in any writer's room in TV history, what writer's room would you want to have sit, sat in? Oh my God! Um, I would. There's so many writers' rooms I would want to sit in on. Um, most of them are from when I was younger. You know, like I guess the shows that sort of molded me and shaped me. Um, you know, um, you know, if I could know what it was like to see them break an episode of of The Odd Couple of of um taxi you know cheers you know all in the family um you know mash i mean to me like that would be like a dream to be able to sort of see how they just how they how those incredible stories were sort of were how they were shaped yeah just to be a fly in the wall um Jason, one more thing I wanted to ask you, uh, just because going back to Pure Genius, I mean, there's so much hope to that show. And, you know, there was a lot of hope in, in Parenthood and even in Friday Night Lights. You know, there's you know, lights in the title. <laughs> there, there's so right. much there's so much darkness on TV these days. Um, you know, talk about sort of, again, zigging where everyone else is zagging and, and, you know, sort of you know wanting to do shows that have a little more light to them, a little more hope to them. Right. I think it's just my natural proclivity and you know is is to have uh is hope i mean it's oh i think that's always been true in the stuff that i've been gravitated to and 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 written for whatever reason um you know <clears throat> i have a there's like um you know a, a a phrase i use in the writer's room all the time um that i it's literally learn from Edswick and Marcel Herskovitz when I from the first show I did my so-called life which is everybody's step everybody's best foot forward which is basically like it's the theory that you know nobody's trying to act like a villain nobody's trying to act evil everybody's trying to do their best in the world and you make mistakes you're flawed but people are are trying and there's and that and to me that's what from that comes hope 
And uh, so I've always wanted to tell stories with hope. And I think, you know, you know, when you bring up Friday Night Lights, that in particular was a story I'm very, you know, was was I was I'm very sort of uh, proud of in terms of the hope in that show, because on first glance, you look at it and you think about it, you're like, oh, these these people are all, you know, they're. They might, this one's probably not going to go to college. This one's probably not going to be able to get out of the town, uh, out of that town. The, this one, you know, you, you know, like everybody seems to have so much going against them in this town. And yet I really did feel like these. you watch these characters evolve and grow up and and become more than they ever could have imagined they could be. And that was the, sh- that was the thing about the show that... Um, um, meant the most to me, you know, in, in doing it. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess that would be like my natural um, inclination would be to, um, you know, n- find worlds that, yes, they could be complex, there could be darkness, you know, in them, but that, you know, um, I just personally gravitate to stories of where there's hope. Well, as they said on Friday Night Lights... Clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. <laughs> you know, we had they to did. end with that, right? Say that, yeah. I know, we <laughs> had to end with that. Thank you so much for coming in. Okay, thank you, Thanks, guys. Jason. Thank, thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with another great guest. We've got Neil Merrin and Craig Zaden, the executive producers of Hairspray Live, coming on NBC. This has been Remote Controlled, only on Variety.